I was raised in a home where my parents brought me to church and to Lutheran Day School week after week, year after year, Sunday after Sunday. I sat in church and I sang the hymns and I listened to the sermons, sort of anyway. I was growing up, they seemed kind of boring. After worship, I went to Sunday school where I heard the great heroes of the Bible. I attended two years of Lutheran High School, four years of college in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Fort Wayne, Indiana. Received a master's degree in theology at St. Louis, second master's degree in Richmond, Virginia. My entire life has been spent in learning all that I can about Christianity and the Bible. I've been completely immersed in it. I actually believe it. With my whole heart, I've been a believer in Jesus Christ as long as I can remember. So you would think that by now, after years and years of study, that I would have my faith all together, have all the answers to all of life's questions. But I have to admit that I don't. As is often the case with education, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. And the same is true of faith. There are things about Christianity that just do not make sense. There are things that I do not understand this side of heaven. There are times that I wrestle with doubts. Part of the reason for doubt, maybe this is true for some of you, is that faith issues require a certain amount of trust in the face of little or maybe not any evidence. One line of miracle on the 34th Street says, Faith is believing in things even when common sense tells you not to. Well, I do believe that much of our Christianity can be proven. There's also much that requires believing, believing what cannot always be proved. Perhaps a major reason behind doubt today is that we live in a very cynical world. Advertising has fed us a lifetime of promises that we can no longer believe. We're also skeptical because we have been fed promises from a government that seemingly have not delivered. The latest changing of the guard through elections usually points to some of the distrust of some of our leaders. So please take out the sermon notes provided for you today. As one writer puts it in the introduction, he says, we now live in a post-Vietnam, post-Watergate, post-Christian worldview, post-credible society. It's a society of distrust, skepticism, and cynicism. Those seeds of distrust and skepticism oftentimes blossom into doubt. So in our sermon series, How to Enhance Your Spiritual Journey, in part one, two weeks ago, we looked at how to embrace the light of the world, Jesus Christ. In part two, two last week, we looked at beyond our fascination with angels and at man's spiritual hunger. So today we look at part three in our sermon series, how to handle doubt in our own lives, dealing with doubt. Over the years, I have come to believe that God actually uses doubt in our lives, that doubt can be very healthy. You see, God gives us a mind so that we can ask questions, questions that can then lead us to faith if we're willing to look for the answers. In other words, doubt can be a doorway to faith, also to strengthening our faith. This morning we want to look at the story of Thomas, a man and a disciple who came face to face with doubt in his life, how he overcame it. Thomas had been a follower of Jesus for three years. Thomas knew Jesus about as well as anyone. 
He had been there when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Thomas had seen Jesus heal the sick and give sight to the blind. Thomas watched as Jesus calmed a storm while he was in the boat with the other disciples. Thomas listened as Jesus told stories of God's care and God's love. Then Thomas saw Jesus arrested, crucified on a cross. Thomas had seen it all. And even though Thomas repeatedly heard Jesus talk about the soon coming death and resurrection of his, Thomas was not ready for it. He had seen everything that Jesus had done, yet he still doubted it. Three days after Jesus died, he miraculously rose from the dead, just as he had predicted. And Jesus immediately sought out his followers to let them know that he was alive. Unfortunately, Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus appeared to them the first time, so he did not get to see Jesus. When Thomas returned that night, his friends told him about all the appearance of Jesus. Thomas simply could not believe it, though. In fact, the only way he could believe that Jesus was alive was after he saw Jesus suffering and dying on the cross, was then to see Jesus with his own eyes and touch Jesus with his own hands. Well, the days that followed must have been a torture for Thomas as he wrestled with his doubts while his friends were so convinced that Jesus had risen as they tried to convince him that Jesus was alive. But seven days later, Thomas' doubt was transformed to a strong faith when Jesus appeared to him and said, Look, look at me, Thomas. Touch my hands. Stop doubting. Have faith. We can learn a lot from Thomas about doubt and about faith because Thomas is not much different than we are. Like him, we too struggle with doubt from time to time. Our faith isn't as strong as it might be. So based on his story, I would like to briefly share with you three keys to dealing with your doubts. Three things that can help you and me move from doubt to a stronger faith. In your notes, number one, first of all, we deal with doubt when we express doubt. Look at John 20, verse 24 to 25. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with his disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Notice how Thomas was willing to say to his friends, I will not believe unless I actually see Jesus. See, Thomas did not back away from his doubts. He faced them head on. I do not think Jesus condemned him for that. Jesus understood the struggle that Thomas was going through. And Jesus knew Thomas was simply using his God-given mind to ask some very serious questions. And Jesus responded by lovingly speaking to those doubts. He came to Thomas. He transformed his doubts into faith. Thomas, filled with faith, he actually gave his own life in martyrdom for the one whose very resurrection he had initially doubted. So we deal with our doubts, first of all, by openly expressing them. For doubt can be a friend. Doubt can lead to a deeper faith and understanding as we seek answers from Jesus. In your notes, number two. Secondly, we deal with doubt when we research doubt. Thomas had a plan of action for his doubt. He concluded that the best way to overcome it 
was to see Jesus, to hold him. In other words, Thomas not only expressed his doubts, but he took the very important next step. He decided to research it. Now, this is an important step that so many doubters do not bother to take. For if we fail to make this step to research it, to research our doubts, doubts can rob us of vitality, of joy, and of life itself. But more often than not, when we begin to look for answers to our doubts, we find them. God will provide them. See, throughout the Bible, people would consider to be heroes of the faith, have asked God tough questions, questions motivated by their own personal doubts. Look at Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? How long will the enemy mock you, O God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. We look also at Job chapter 10. Job says, why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. If only I had never become, come into being or had been carried from straight from the womb to the grave. See, some of these heroes of the Bible, they ask God, why? Why do the innocent suffer? Others ask why he seemingly stood by while his people were struggling. Others complained to God that when things did not seem to make sense, they began to search for their doubts, and they eventually walked through the doorway to faith again in the promises of God. There was a story about a man who was walking through the woods. He was praying. He was thinking about God's goodness. Suddenly he looked up and saw a great big oak tree, and at the top of that oak tree he saw a little acorn. Then he looked down, and next to the root of that big tree, he saw a little stem, and on that stem was a great big pumpkin. The man said to himself, that does not make sense. This is stupid. That tiny oak acorn should not be on that big tree, and that big pumpkin should not be on that little stem. If I had created the world, I would have done it the other way around. God, this just doesn't make sense. So the man decided to take a nap. He laid down under the tree. He fell asleep. While he was sleeping, the acorn fell off the tree and hit the man on the head. The man woke up with a start. Then a thought hit him. Suppose I had created the world. Suppose that was a pumpkin up there, not an acorn. I would probably be dead. He got up and again said to himself, whatever God does, God does well. Well, we may not always understand what God is up to. As we take time to research our doubts, God, through his words and through the working of the Holy Spirit, has a way of leading us to faith in God and his promises. So number one, we deal with doubt by expressing it. Number two, we deal with doubt when we research it. Thirdly, in your notes, number three, on the bottom of your note, the third key to overcoming doubt. We deal with doubt when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Look at John 20 on the back of your notes. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the door were, was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Stretch out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. See, Thomas dealt with his doubt when he kept his eyes on Jesus. A little girl was trapped on the fourth floor of a burning building. There was no way out. Suddenly, at the window below her, her dad appeared. He called up to her and said, Jump! Now, logically speaking, jumping did not make a great deal of sense. The little girl was four stories up. Daddy seemed pretty small way down there below. None of the facts suggest that jumping is a way out of this dilemma. But the little girl knew her daddy. The little girl knew her daddy and could be trusted to catch her, to protect her, to help her to safety. So in spite of all logic, and especially because of her trusting relationship with her daddy, the little girl jumped into the strong, safe arms of her dad. See, the key to overcoming our doubts ultimately is not finding the right facts. The key is not found in proving certain beliefs or certain views. The real key to overcoming doubt finally is to look, yes, to look at the person of Jesus Christ. See, in your notes, number one, look to Jesus, and number two, look to his faithfulness. It is looking to Jesus and his faithfulness through his suffering and his death on the cross and through his resurrection that nothing else transforms our doubts into faith increases and strengthens our weak faith. You see, there are not always answers to all your questions. I cannot tell you always why, why innocent people suffer. I cannot always tell you why, why God at times seemingly does nothing when Christian people suffer and are persecuted. I cannot prove to you conclusively that because Jesus arose from the dead, therefore we too will rise from the dead to eternal life. But I can invite you I can invite you to look to Jesus and keep your eyes on Jesus and his faithfulness. When we look at Jesus as Thomas looked at Jesus, we see someone who is faithful, who is true. We see someone who, through his words and actions, conveyed love and care, forgiveness and mercy for all people everywhere. And we see someone who was willing to give his life on the cross for us so that we might have eternal life. So in conclusion, while in our spiritual journey, there are questions that may not always be answered sufficiently. While in our spiritual journey of faith, there may be times when faith calls us beyond our logic and we jump. Faith is not about accepting in your notes. Faith is not about accepting facts. Faith is not limited to our ability to reason things out. In your notes, faith is a personal a trusting relationship with Jesus. The one who loves us, who died for us, he arose again. So you can deal with your doubts, number one, when you express them. Number two, when you research them. And number three, when you keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is and always will be someone you can depend on, someone who understands your doubts, someone who will lead you like Thomas through that door to a stronger faith. Amen.